<clears throat> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for returning to our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan podcast, teaching you or training you to lead with courage. We love to have you every Wednesday and Saturday at our podcast, which is at 10 o'clock Central Time on Spotify, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcast, Edifee, a podcast network, and of course, you can watch it on uh, a YouTube channel. We love to use uh, my own experience in Romania under persecution, and you can read more in my memoir, uh, Saving My Assassin. Uh, you can buy it at virginiaprodanbooks.com. But we also love to invite courageous leaders that will share with us how they lead in their area, in their specific ministry and work, and to train us to do the same. And one of these leaders is David Clausen, and he is returning to our podcast. He is a director of the Center for Biblical View at Family Research Council. Thank you, David, for coming back to our podcast. Well, Happy New Year, Virginia. It's a joy to be back on the Creators Le- Courageous Leaders podcast. Whenever I think about your podcast, Virginia, and just knowing your story in Romania, it's just a perfect title for this podcast and for you to be the host of it. So again, it's, uh, I was on last year, so it's a joy to be on again with you this year. Thank you. Thank you so very much. And the story, God always uh, brings, you know, a mission and a story in our life. It's for his glory because he is the one doing in us. We are just tools in in, uh, his hands. And it's not only in Romania, it's here. And many times I said I was a troublemaker. I'm a troublemaker here. So I'm an ally attorney with Alliance Defender Freedom. I am very involved with Family Research Council. And Family Research Council, as we uh, discuss, uh, is the one who did the opening of my book. But David, tell us, not us, tell people that don't know what Family Research Council stands for, what kind of work they are doing so they can be involved with Family Research Council too. Yeah, absolutely, Virginia. So it's January now, which actually means it's the 40th anniversary of the Family Research Council. We were founded in 1983, so this is our birthday, our 40th birthday, and we're thrilled uh, about all the things that the Lord has done. Uh, if I had to sum it up, kind of what FRC does is, is we're a nonprofit research and educational organization uh, based in Washington, D.C. Uh, we do uh, lobbying. Uh, so uh, we have a staff whose job is to talk to members of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate and people uh, in the federal government uh, about the issues that we care about. And those issues that we care about are issues related to life and the family and religious freedom. So kind of the, the social conservative issues, um, uh, that those are the, the focus of what we do here at the Family Research Council. We also, though, are distinctively a Christian organization. And we're not just conservative. We're a Christian conservative organization. And we come at these issues through the lens of the Bible. And so actually my role at the Family Research Council is I lead uh, still a fairly new division of the team 
uh, which is our Center for Biblical Worldview. And so my my job and some of those of us who do this work is uh, we come at all the issues through the lens of Scripture. And so we want to ask the question, what does the Bible say about issues related to family or religious freedom or, or the life issue? And uh, increasingly, um, we're, we're finding that this work is needed more than ever. You know, there's really two trends we see in American kind of religious life. Number one is that those who identify as Christians uh, seem to go down more and more every single year. And that the second trend is those who identify as none, uh, kind of whether they don't know if God exists or they don't care that God exists, kind of the atheist agnostic, that uh, seems to continue to trend up. And so increasingly, those of us who hold biblical convictions are seen uh not just as outdated or kind of old school, uh, but we're seen as subversive and dangerous. And so one of my jobs is to speak to the Christian community and kind of reinforce those biblical values uh, that we, you know, this nation as a whole used to hold more, uh, but increasingly we're in that minority, which uh, I think it's appropriate on the Courageous Leaders podcast, because increasingly, Virginia, those of us who hold biblical convictions are going to have to have courage uh, because we're no longer going to be in the mainstream of society. I, I don't think we're in the mainstream of society anymore, uh, but the, the the need to have courage is more so now than ever before. That is so true what you said, because when I came to the United States of America, it was very easy for everyone to be a Christian. Now, mm. when you are a Christian, in fact, you make a choice. You make a choice to stand on you to have courage first, like you said, and also to take the risk to stay on God's principles and maybe to be uh, mocked, to uh, be um, labeled as, uh, you know, uh, limited or even to lose your job. And we don't know exactly where this will go. Maybe we'll go to uh, being under house arrest, like I was in Romania, or arrested or beaten or tortured. So courage is something that we have to practice. And well, Virginia, and- let me just jump in there on, on your point, because what you just said, let's just think about where we are right now. The year is 2023, and kind of what you just said about where this might be going with our culture and where it might be going with our society about even the possibility of house arrest or imprisonment. You know, just maybe five years ago, I think someone listening to our conversation might have said, well, you know, Virginia's exaggerating the the dangers. This is maybe a little too far. Well, think about what happened during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, where you had a local and state and even federal government authorities actually arresting pastors and going after churches and telling churches, I'm thinking of Governor Gavin Newsom in California, that churches could not worship. They could not have communion. You know, just a couple of years ago, that would have been unthinkable. Uh, Some of our brothers in Canada, uh, pastors who were arrested because they decided to gather their church. And so the things that we're talking about right here, uh, this is not hypothetical. Uh, This isn't happening somewhere in a former communist country. No, these things are happening in the United States of America. And so that's actually one of the reasons I'm writing my dissertation on civil disobedience, because increasingly we need to be thinking exactly what you just talked about. What are we going to do when that moment comes when we're told we can't worship God or we can't go to church? Those are not hypothetical questions anymore. Increasingly, Christians need to think about those very deeply. 
Exactly. And what you said we need to think about is I remember when my kids are small and I will tell them, uh, what are you going to do if you are somewhere, you know, sleeping over with your friends, having a party and somebody comes and gives you a drink and they will say, oh, I will deal there. No, no, no. I said, we need to talk now to be prepared for what's going to happen then, because you have to stand to everyone around you who will say no, will say, oh, yes, it's just for one time. And also, it's we go to gym and we exercise our physical muscle every single day. Well, we don't go January 1st or January 5th and think that they will last for a month. You know, that exercise. It's the same thing with exercising our faith. Yes, you have to exercise your faith every single day to build that muscle of courage. And the, the, the good news is that the Holy Spirit in us will train us, will give us everything that we need. We are not alone in this. Oh, that's absolutely true. And, you know, it's amazing when you think about uh, Jesus's ministry, specifically, I'm thinking about the book of John, you know, chapters 13 through 17. It's actually a huge section of John's gospel. And uh, Jesus is with his disciples for the last time uh, before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, before he goes to the crucifixion. And you have a whole chapter in there on uh, John chapter 14, where Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. And then in chapters 15 and 16, he says, uh, in the same way that they persecuted me, uh, they're going to persecute you. And so I'm telling you these things now, so you will be ready. And of course, the immediate audience, uh, the first people to hear that were the disciples, and that proved very true in their life. But the same principle, I think, applies to Christians throughout the age, uh, the history of the church, is that in the same way that Jesus encountered persecution and opposition and people that were against him and against his message, uh, you know, let's be honest, the, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. And in the year 2023, the the opponents of Christianity and of the Lord Jesus and of the gospel, uh, they're active, they're alive, they're well. And so I think talking about persecution, talking about the threats coming against us, again, this isn't me trying to be apocalyptic and to, to fear monger, uh, but I think we need to begin, like you just said, the, the example of what you tell a teenage uh, you know, son or daughter before they go to a sleepover, we need to right now be having those conversations and thinking deeply about what will we do uh, when we're told we cannot worship or we cannot go to church. I think a lot of pastors, a lot of congregations were caught off guard during the COVID pandemic. We need to, I think, I hope that was a wake-up call. And I know for many churches it was a wake-up call, uh, but we need to continue to think about these things uh, because who knows what's next. That is so true. And also, I want your audience, our audience, to think about when we kind of deny what is going on around us or kick the can down the road or something, why do we do this? Because we don't want to acknowledge the reality and we don't want to take a stand. We think, oh, somebody else is going to do it, not me. Uh, why should I be the one to do it and so forth? I don't have, I don't, I need to feed my family and so forth. We try to find excuses. So 
What I am saying is I'm not judging you. I know I went through persecution and I know how hard it is in the beginning. I'm just asking, be honest with yourself. Be honest and see what kind of excuses and use put those excuses at the cross and see what, what God has done. Look at, you know, people in the Bible, people around you, maybe who experience persecution, how God helped uh, them and how God transformed them with people that had fear to fearless people. It's not about you doing on your own. It's about you walking with God and letting God transform you and letting God transform you to be an exposure of his love, his grace, his power, his sovereignty, even in darkness. I think that's that's well said, Virginia. And I think scripture is filled with examples of those who kind of embody these characteristics uh, last year, my church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church here in Washington, D.C., we did a, we finished up our series uh, in the book of Hebrews. You know, there's a whole uh, chapter, chapter 11, kind of called the Hall of Fame uh, of Her Faith. And uh, the, the writer to the Hebrews just goes through, you know, kind of the, he gives us an Old Testament history, so to speak. And he walks through all the great uh, heroes of the Old Testament and shows how they've been faithful how they met the moment in their age. And the whole reason he goes through, and it's, it's a long chapter, is to encourage his readers that in the same way, uh, the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament uh, were faithful and courageous and honored the Lord in their day. We're called to do the same thing. And, and so I think all of us, you know, we, we can look to the examples in the Bible, but many of us who've been walking with Christ, we have living examples you know, I think of people in my family who've walked faithfully with the Lord for decades. And, you know, that that I think is a source of strength. It's a source of comfort. And, and I, because again, the what, whatever that opposition looks like, you know, the, it seems like the spirit of Antichrist puts on a new cloak every so often. You know, whether it's the issues related to sexuality, uh, transgenderism, increasingly, if you're not falling in line on those issues, uh, you're going to be you know, marginalized and ostracized. And so again, whatever the issue is, I think, you know, let me put it this way. One of the reasons we started the Center for Biblical Worldview is we did a survey with George Barna that showed uh, that only uh, 21% of church-going evangelicals actually have a biblical worldview. That's only one out of five. So the, the need is great to know actually what the Bible says. That's our first step. We need to actually know what the Bible says. And then number two, we need to build the courage uh, to stand for those convictions. And, and looking to Scripture, uh, looking to heroes of the faith in our own time can definitely kind of steal our spines, uh, so to speak, to do what God is calling us to do in our day. You put it so well. God is inviting us to be strong and courageous, to follow those leaders in the Bible, and to become one of those people in, in, you know, famous for what God has done in us. It's nowhere. There is no boss that will call you and say, "I'll, I'll do everything for you. I will prepare you. I will train you. I don't need your resume. I don't need anything. I need your obedience. And it's nice to have um, 
people in your family that encourage you. But I didn't have anyone in my family. So no matter what the situation is, that you have uh, courageous um, followers of Christ in your in your life, or you don't have it, if you have Christ, it's enough. And I said in my book, Saving My Assassin, and it's true. It's not a polite for polite form to to say to to, um, to Christ or uh, to everyone around me. Being persecuted for Christ and walking with Christ in persecution is the highest honor that a Christian can have on this planet. And and also the Bible tells us that we will receive the highest reward. So Mm -hmm. on both here on earth and in heaven, we will be rewarded. So there is no reason for us to have fear or to shrink to what the culture is is doing or is trying to do uh, to us. So you, you put it so well. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I just agree with everything you just said. That's that's well said, Virginia. Tell us about your book. I want to hear about what you are doing. Yeah, of course. So there's, you know, a new year means new projects and new opportunities uh, here at the Center for Biblical Worldview and Family Research Council. And so we do have a project that's launching uh, March 14th. I, I co-wrote a book uh, with Denny Burke. Uh, who's a professor at Southern Seminary, and then Colin Smothers, who works at the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And, you know, the three of us got together probably over a year and a half ago, and we're just asking, you know, uh, Denny's a pastor. Um, I've been on staff at a church. Uh, Colin's been on staff at a church. So all of us are, you know, committed church members and have, have worked in and around churches our entire careers. And we just looked around and just really looked at the sexual revolution, uh, seeing that marriage is now, you know, since the Supreme Court's decision in 2015 to overturn, or excuse me, not to overturn, but to to enforce uh, gay marriage on all 50 states, that was 2015, not that long ago. Uh, seeing the confusion on other issues related to sexuality and transgenderism. And so we, we decided it was really important to put a resource together to just help Christians think biblically about things such as identity and marriage and homosexuality and transgenderism and intersex. Um, and so that book, uh, it's called Male and Female, He Created Them. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon. Uh, March 14th is, is when, it'll, when it releases. And our hope, and, and we're, there's going to be videos that accompany it uh, with folks like Al Mohler and other well-known Christian leaders speaking to these issues. So we've actually designed it as, as a Bible study that you could go through with your Sunday school class, your small group, your discipleship group. Or you could do it by yourself or you could do it in community. Uh, we provide all the answers to questions we ask kind of at the end of each chapter. And so again, it's just, it's just eight chapters, Virginia, uh, with the hope of helping Christians think faithfully about issues uh, that are just so contested. You know, I can't think of a set of issues uh, that is more contested today than issues related to gender, sexuality, and marriage. And so our hope is that through this resource, uh, Christians, uh, Christian lay people and pastors uh, will just be able to think more faithfully uh, about what really God's word says on these issues. Oh, that's great. Can you tell us where people can, you said they can pre-order? 
Yeah, right now you can find it on uh, Amazon and just click uh, the button to pre-order it. And uh, it'll uh, you'll be the first to get it when it releases on March 14th. And uh, so the hope is uh, that, again, uh, church leaders especially uh, will, will order a copy of this, take a look at it, and then maybe order some for their church, for their church's bookstore, uh, give it out to the deacons, the elders, the Sunday school teachers, um, because, again, uh, we know uh, here at Family Research Council, we hear every day uh, from people around this country who, who are faithful Christian people uh, and just they're confused on what does the Bible really say on homosexuality. You know, someone will hear maybe a sermon or a teaching uh, where the pastor or teacher might say something that, you know, maybe the Bible isn't clear on issues of sexuality. And so there are people that are confused. They And, and so our hope is, um, you know, the number one book that we quote in our book is the Bible. And we just walk through all the key text uh, of what scripture says on these issues. Uh, that's really the goal of the book, really, is just to point people back to what the Bible teaches. Because at the end of the day, Virginia, it doesn't really matter what I say. It doesn't matter what my co-authors say. What matters is what God says. And so, again, that's the heart behind this project, is just to illuminate uh, what God has already said in his word. That is so true. I, I love what you said. I love, um, David, what you said, because I always said, you know, uh, about my book, Saving My Assassin, and you mentioned about your book, we are not writing books or speaking to promote ourselves. We are doing to show the world and Christians and non-Christians what God can do in one life, what God can do in their life. So we, we can encourage them because we, we want to make sure that uh, people will be encouraged that with God, they can do it too. If it's a, through a Bible study, if it's through a memoir, we want life to be changed because God can change life, not us. So we, I am so grateful for you coming to our, our podcast, sharing. I know many lives will be changed. And I want to um, thank you, everyone, for being back to our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, training you to lead with courage, listening to our podcast every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast, uh, Edify Podcast Next Network, and of course, you can watch it on uh, YouTube channel. We love to train you. We love to hear from you and ask and uh, answer any questions you might have. For those who um, never read the book, you can uh, buy the book, Saving My Assassin, at our um, website, virginiaprodanobooks.com. I hope that you will listen, take notes of David's message and resources. You will buy his book. And I hope that you will put in practice everything that he shared with us because it's very important to practice our faith. Thank you so much, David, again for coming to our podcast. Thank you, Virginia. Always a joy to be with you, and uh, Happy New Year to you, and uh, God's bless. Thank you so much, and uh, Happy New Year to you, and God bless you too, and all of our audience. Bye-bye.